whirlwind year for me. <laughs> Most of you know I've, I've moved down here from West Virginia uh, back in early June. Um, I started the year off with a hip replacement and then back and forth, back and forth, bringing loads of stuff down and, and they ended up with low back surgery and, and just this, that and the other. Graduation in Georgia, turned right around, had a, a good bath party at our church. I've had a lot of physical um, things going on. I'm on a merry-go-round. I am, uh, I had an emotional <laughs> up and down roller coaster ride because leaving a church that I've been at for 38 and a half years, those people were my family. And they were so happy for me to be able to come and be near Tracy and all that. Um, they were sad to see us go. So I was sad, sad to leave them too. But, you know, we're, we're trying to get to know all of you all for a new family. And uh, so we're, we're excited about that. But a lot of you know, three days after I moved, I fell and broke my leg. <laughs> so I'm still living amongst boxes and all that. So uh, it's, so when, when Deanna asked me two or three weeks ago to speak on this, I thought, um, I've never spoken on this before. And Rick is always the one that does it. I, I met with Mickey and her husband. Uh, Rick and I did um, a few weeks ago. And never did I dream then that I would be asked to talk on this. So, uh, I listened to Tracy's talk yesterday, and it was really good. I was real proud of her. Um, so I'm kind of, I might mention a few things that she did, but I'm kind of going in a, a little bit different direction as well. But um, it's, it's funny, um, mine and Rick's anniversary uh, was just a couple days ago, we 48 years of marriage. And I was just thinking, I thought, you know, I was telling Tracy, and a lot of you all are mothers with girls or boys, I don't know, but one day they're going to get old enough to get married and all that. But I was thinking back when Rick and I first got engaged. My grandfather and his grandfather both, both asked the same question, and it was so hilarious. My grandfather asked, well, is he a Republican? <laughs> and down in Florida, his grandfather asked him, well, is she a Republican? <laughs> Now that that that's just so funny, but you know you gotta kind of you kind of get be, be on the same same uh, level there. But our concern mainly is is that boy saved? Is that girl saved? Is, are they a Christian? But I think in this day and age we ought to ask too, what Bible do they hold to? Now you may think that's a little bit, but you know what? I think it's very important. And after I finish my talk, I think I hope you'll see how important that is as well. Um, you know. If you change your Bible from the good old King James to one of these others, you know, you're going to change your beliefs. And if you change your beliefs, you're going to change your behavior. See, the Bible is our source of faith and practice. And when you change to any of the other versions on the market today, and there's a slew of them, I forget how many, over 800. When you change to any of those other verses on the market today, you're sacrificing the true word of God for something called dynamic engineering. Now, what is dynamic engineering? It, it, it means that the people who have made these Bibles have substituted God's word with their own words or their own interpretations and opinions on what they think God said uh, or should have said. And do you say, so do you want a Bible full of man's interpretations? Or a Bible that holds the exact, inerrant, infallible, inspired Word of God? Interpretations or the exact Word of God? That's the question you have to ask. So the Bible, as we know, is God's love letter to us. And we should want to know exactly what he said. Uh, my husband uses this example uh, and when he gives his talks on the King James, and it's very, I think it's very appropriate. Um, and you all seen movies about this and all that. Let's let's take World War II. You know, you got you got an, an army man over there in Italy or France, you know, and he falls in love with a little French girl and all that, and they have to part ways. He's got to go back to America, but they're writing letters and all that. When he gets a letter from her, and he can't read it because it's in what French. It's in French, so he's got to find somebody who can speak French to translate it for him. He wants to know exactly what this girl's saying to him because he's in love with her. So he finds somebody to translate it. Do you think he wants somebody that's going to translate it word for word? Because he wants to know exactly what she's saying 
Or do you think he wants to go to somebody that's going to translate and say, well, yeah, I think she's, yeah, I think she's, you know, I think she likes you, and, yeah, you know, and just be kind of iffy about what she's saying. He doesn't want that. That's not satisfying to him. He wants to know exactly what she's saying, and we should feel the same way. We need to know exactly what God said. That's his love letter to us. And so translation, like I say, is very important. It was very important to that man who got the love letter. He a good translator, a good translation was very important to him because he wanted to know just what she said. So it's so translation is very important. Uh, you don't want to know what the translator thinks about what, what she's saying or putting his own words into what she said and all that. You want to know exactly what was written to you. So that's the same way with us with the KJV. So why do we believe the King James Version of the Bible is inerrant and infallible? Well, the answer is faith. Faith. And faith is what the, um, the Bible teaches about itself, okay? We have to have faith in what God says about the Bible itself. And if we believe what God says, you know, then we can, we can know that this book is infallible, inerrant, and inspired Word of God. So the Bible, like I say, is the eternal Word of God. And it's revealed by God. Did I give Hebrews 1? I may have, I may have skipped that. Can you look it up real quick? Sorry, I missed that totally. So, yeah, the scripture of the Bible is the eternal word of God, and it's revealed by God. So if God says it's revealed from him, then we can take that to the bank. We can have faith in that. Go ahead, Tracy. One and two. Hebrews one and two. Speak loud. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past to the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed the heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. Okay. So it was revealed by God. It was also written by inspiration. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, freely furnished unto all good works. So what's it saying here? All scripture is given by inspiration. God inspired the man who wrote the Bible. So we believe that. It's God's revelation of himself to us. It's how we know him. And um, I forgot to get this one out to you. Tracy, look up one, Psalm 138 too. God, did you know God magnifies the word above himself? Did you know that? It's very cool to read this, but it's very true. God magnifies his word above himself. All right. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. So God magnifies his word. So if God magnifies his word, he revealed it to us, he inspired it. We believe God and, and we need to trust that. And that's how we have faith in his word of God. He promised to preserve his word. The doctrine of preservation is so very, very important. And he promised to keep his word pure and perfect down through each generation um, till the end of time. And that's called the, uh, the doctrine of divine preservation. Um, Darlene? Psalms 12, 6, and 7. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. How long is he going to preserve his word according to Psalms 12, 6, and 7? Forever. Okay, uh, Romans 4, 20 and 21. Let's see that. Romans 4. It says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. All right, now that's talking about Abraham. And Abram, Abraham had faith, and he knew that God would promise. God promised that he would do this, perform this, and, and he wouldn't stagger at that. He knew God was going to keep his word. Uh, Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. 
God is faithful. If God promises, he's faithful to promise, that's what we can have faith in the word of God that's been preserved for us. Okay, and uh, Titus 1 and 2, Crystal. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, in the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Okay, so he promised before the world began, and what's it say about God? He cannot lie. He cannot lie. So he has said he's going to keep his word pure all down through the, through the uh, generations. Jesus himself put his own stamp of approval on the Old Testament and the New Testament. I'm not going to read these passages, but if you want to write it down, and he put his stamp of approval of the Old Testament in Luke 24:44, and he put his stamp of approval in the New Testament in Matthew 24:35. So you can read those later. God promised to preserve His pure words forever, uh, for all generations. And wouldn't you want your children and grandchildren to know God's pure love letter to them? Of course. That's why it's so important, I think, that when your children grow up and get married, they need to be on the same wavelength with their spouse. Because if they're not, I've seen it happen over and over again. Somebody else has has a different version of the Bible. That KJV person can hold on and hold on for maybe 18, 20 years, then all of a sudden it starts pulling them down. And then what happens with the kids coming up? They don't know what the true word of God is. And if you don't know what the true word of God is, then you're not going to know what he says about salvation and all this because you'll find out later that these other versions really muddy up the waters. So... Um, don't pray for me. My eyes are not very good. And my handwriting is even worse. <laughs> um, so anyway, so God promised to preserve his pure words forever. And you want your children and grandchildren to know God's pure love uh, letter to the, the them. And um, Psalm 119. I think I'm... Forever, O oh Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. There is a copy. Well, there is the original. The original word of God is where? It's settled in heaven. The original word of God. Yes, like Tracy said yesterday, um, faithful men of God wrote it down the man, in the manuscripts. And then it was copied by other people and then other people. And then we don't have the original manuscripts here, but God has it. He's got it settled in heaven. And he has seen that his word has been preserved all down through the years. Um, so um, pure copies and translations are important because, like I say, there's no originals left. They've been destroyed. You know, they, like she said, they're on papyrus, they're on vellum and all that, and that, that just crumbles after time. So that's why it was so important for scribes and everything to, to faithfully copy the word of God and pass it down through all these generations. Um, so... Um, True copies and translations are considered by God to be the perfect word of God. True translations and copies are considered by God to be the perfect word of God. Um, Joshua 8.32, Tracy, if you look that up. Um, this is where Joshua has taken over for Moses, you know, and he's leading the people. And he actually is taking what God gave Moses, and he's going to write it down for the people that he's leading now. And he writes it on a stone. Tracy, and he wrote there on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he wrote in the presence of the children of Israel. The law of Moses, the Pentateuch. He copied it down. So that's a true copy. He copied the words of Moses. And then in uh, Acts 38, 37, 38, well, I'm not going to read that part yet, but... Um, that's the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. He's traveling back down. And what is he reading in the chariot? Isaiah. He's reading Isaiah. Do you think he's reading the original? He's not. He's, re he's reading a copy of Isaiah. But it was the Word of God, the true copy of the Word of God. And this is real, real interesting. Tracy, if you'll turn to Acts 21:40, and, and then read Acts 22:1. This, this shows you where Paul 
is getting, he's talking to some people in he, in the Hebrew tongue, okay? But in our New Testament, are we reading a Hebrew translation? What language are we reading from? What was it translated from? From the Greek. From the Greek, okay. So read, uh, read what uh, Paul's in 2140, Acts 2140. And when he had given him license, Paul stood on the stairs and beckoned with a hand into the people. And when there was made a great silence, he spake unto them in the Hebrew tongue, saying, And then 21, Men, brethren, and fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. So here's Paul speaking in the Hebrew tongue, but yet we get exactly what he said in our New Testament because it was translated into the Greek, right? And it's exactly what Paul said in Hebrew. So, so God, as long as it's a true and pure copy or a true and pure translation, God considers that his pure, perfect word of God. Okay, so uh, translation is not a problem for God. Uh, we may not understand how God preserves his word perfectly, but we trust that he did and because of what he said, because he promised he would. God cannot lie. He promised he would. So, uh, like the virgin birth, we don't quite understand all that. Or the many miracles that Jesus did, you know, we can't explain how it happened, but we know it happened. Because with God, what? All things are possible. That's in Matthew 19, 26. He's the one. God is the one who keeps his words pure and, and, and not us. But the many English versions of the Bible, which Tracy said there's a lot of them, they're very different in many places and sometimes even saying the opposite things. And so that means one of two things. One is the infallible word of God and the others contain error or none of them are infallible word of God and they all contain errors. One of two things. These are different than this. So one's true, the others are not, or they're not all not, you know? Um, so to decide which is the perfect word of God, first we have to contrast the, the two major categories of the English transla translations to see which most consistently <coughs> glorifies the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ and is free from obvious error. So there's the differences between the uh, modern versions and the KJV um, are different mostly because they're based on two different manuscripts, two different translations, two different texts, if you will. Things that are different are not the same. My husband says that all the time. <laughs> Things that are different are not the same. King James Bible was translated from what's called the received text. Right here. I'll let y'all look at it later. The received text or the majority text in the Greek is called the Textus Receptus. And yes, it's a Greek New Testament. I can't read Greek. I used to know Greek words. I used to help Greek. He was a minor in Greek. But I've got some things that I want to show you here. So that is the majority text, the Textus Receptus. That's what the KJV was translated from in the English into the English. The other uh, line of transcripts, manuscripts, was from the Westcott and Hort uh, translation of what was called the um, the bad, there's, yeah. They, they translated this uh, New Testament, uh, Greek New Testament, from two manuscripts. One was called the Vaticanus and one was called the Sinaiticus. You can just imagine something found in the St. Catherine's Monastery, which was in the Sinaiticus, and the Vaticanus found in the basement of the Vatican. Um, you can imagine what religion they kind of lean to, right? <laughs> okay. So, why do they call this the received text? Well, not that, but it was like this. <laughs> the received text, or the majority of texts. Because out of 5,255 total manuscripts of the Greek New Testament, 99% of them, or 5,210 of them, agree with the majority text. That's why it's called majority text. The received text. Okay. So, um, so anyway, that, 
they all agree and they all match, and that's what our KJV is based on. Only two fairly complete manuscripts and 43 fragments from the second set, second set century disagree with this. And that's where this comes from. These two manuscripts found in the Vatican and at the St. Catherine's Monastery, plus some 43 fragments, are what Westcott and Hort used in 1881 or so to make their translation, the Revised Standard Version, or the something else, English Version. But anyway, these two manuscripts they used were found, like I say, in Catholic buildings. Okay? And you think, well, why would Westcott and Hort use manuscripts found in Catholic buildings? Well, they were Papists, which means they were Catholics. In England, where they lived, was not Catholic anymore. You know, they were the Anglican Church, you know, and they they wanted to have a Bible that kind of leaned toward Catholic beliefs and uh, systems and all that. They changed, they changed 5,604 passages. A total of 9,970 words have been left out, added in, or changed. That's 7% of the New Testament. 7% of the New Testament, about the size of the book of Romans, is what they changed. Um, in 81 years, they had 26 editions, and that's like one every 3.1 years. So these changes that were carried over into the other versions that came into existence since their translation, the New King James, the New King James, the NIV, the ESV, the ASV, the NASV, all these versions that have been coming down the pike and are in our bookstores we have pushed on people all came from two manuscripts and 43 fragments. And that's, that's what all these versions hold to, this right here. Not the complete majority text that were found. That's very astounding, don't you think? Um, so anyway, in, in contrast to this, the received text has 140,521 Greek words in this New Testament. Has 217 Greek words on each page, has 647 pages of text, and after 2,000 years, it still has that number. Nothing's been taken out. Nothing's been added to. It still has 647 words on a page. 100% uh, of the Greek words, all 140,521, have been preserved by God. And that's where our King James came from. Okay? Our King James is based on a manuscript that was preserved down through the years, not fiddled with by man. Okay? It's been said that when the KJV is contrasted with the modern versions, there's enough, <clears throat> enough words missing or added into by the modern versions to fill a book the size of Revelation. So, uh, so anyway, uh, it's, a, it's a sad thing that they have dabbled and taken away and added to their own thoughts and, and own words and all these in these versions. At least three times in the Bible, God warns about that. He has strong warnings for those that alter his word. Uh, who's got Deuteronomy 14? Um, ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, but ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. From the very beginning in Deuteronomy, he warns about that, doesn't he? Uh, how about um, Proverbs 35 and 6? Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. And bow not unto his word, lest he reprove thee. And thou be found a liar. Okay, so don't miss, don't miss the word of God. And Revelation 22, 19 is the most familiar that we know. Go ahead. And, and if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life. And out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. 
would you want to be in the shoes of these guys after what they've done and they've chopped up the word of God? I sure wouldn't want to be in their shoes. God has a, all these warnings that you don't mess with the word of God, and they have. And we've got book Bibles in all these bookstores being pushed on people, and they're not the word of God. They're not the true word of God. Yes, they do have some passages that, yes, you could uh, get saved with and all that, but it's, it, they're full of holes. And then they've got man's opinions put in here as well. Uh, it's dangerous. It's a serious matter. Do you want to, you know, for us as families and then for our children and then their families coming on, do you want a, uh, a holy Bible or do you want a Bible full of holes? Of course you want a holy Bible. You want to pass that down to your children and tell them how how important it is to hold to the true word of God. Um, if you're comfortable with a Bible that has mistakes, then anything I say here is not going to matter to you. And believe me, I've run into people where I, we've tried to convince and show, and they don't want to hear it. They're happy with their NIV. And it's a sad situation. Um, um, but you can never say, you know, you can never say that all Bibles are the same because they're not. <laughs> you can never say that. Um, they're not the same. Every Bible version um, on casual reading seems good, you know. A person a, a person can pick this up and can casually read it. They, it seems all right, you know. Uh, but we mustn't go by impressions. Um Every Bible version, um, like I say, seems all right, but you can't go by impressions because we're dealing with the true word of God. In every chapter, every verse, every word, every line, it has to conform to the word. It's Mama. It's like Mama. So, anyway, I showed you these Greek Testaments. The received one, the majority text, and the... Uh, one based on the Sinaiticus and the Vaticanus uh, by Westcott and Hort. By the way, a uh, quick little note. Rick and I went to Bob Jones University. Rick majored in Bible and, and minored in Greek. Can you guess which New Testament that he used in class? All the preacher boys used in class? Are you astounded? Yes. We are astounded. <laughs> yes. Have they changed now after all these years? I'm not sure. But when Rick was in Bible and made it minor in Greek, they reused this. Of course, it was later. Rick learned a lot more. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, just a minute. All right. So I want, um, let's see, Acts 8.37. Okay. Um, I want Tracy to look up Acts 8.37 in this West Cotton Court Bible. I've got it in this one. Except what your intention is. Well, I want uh, Miss Darlene, I want you to look. If you don't mind. This, is, <laughs> this is the received majority text that the KJV is. is uh, and you don't have to read Greek. Okay? I can't read Greek. But you can count, right? <laughs> I want you to tell me, read, read the numbers there in, in Acts 8 from, from like the ones that are circled. 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40. All right. So Acts, this is the Ethiopian story, okay, that when Philip appears to him, and, and the verse where um, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch answers him and says, you know, I'm reading in Isaiah, what must I do to be saved? You can see in, the, in, these, uh, in, in this text that all verses are there. And 837 says, uh, And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's the testimony of the Ethiopian eunuch. And it is in the received text. Tracy, can you find the testimony in that text? I see 35, 36, 38, 39, and 40. Verse 37 is gone. Can you find 837 in the NIV? I should have a that long thing right there. I don't know if that's it or not. No, it may not be. 
and something else. I hope you're not, I'm, I'm taking a little bit of time because I, I need to prove to you, okay? Yeah, so as they travel along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water, why should it not be baptized? Verse 38, and he gave orders to stop the chariot, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized them. There's no 37. In the NIV, the 30, verse 37's out. I also checked a very popular uh, version that's out today that some of my family is using. The ESV, it's not there. Verse 37's gone. Now, the New King James has got it in here, but they got a footnote on there, and I'm going to explain about the footnotes later on this New King James. And it, it will say that, well, this manuscript omits the verse, so, you know, it, you know, it's not really... It's not really there. That's basically what they're saying. Uh, even though they put it in, they'll they cast doubt. So somebody reading that, they'll go, hmm, if this text admits it, you know, is it really true or not? You know, it, it, they just confuse people. Okay, let me get back to where I'm. So, so the modern Bible versions will prove true or false, good or corrupt, faithful or counterfeit in the watermark. And you know about a, a counterfeit bill. You know, you got a real $100 bill, you got a counterfeit $100 bill. And when you work in the stores, you, you're supposed to study and know. You know, of course, most people don't do all money anymore. But there is a difference, and it's usually in the watermark. You've got to be able to look at the different versions and be able to tell. And you can tell, is it true or false? By the watermark, and it's a vital, um, the vital essential articles of faith and doctrine. That's that's the watermark of, of, a, of a good manuscript. Don't look at the readability of a Bible, that, or or always, uh, uh, oh, you know, I can understand this so much better. Well, does everybody, anybody, just just for a sample, does anybody know what the word verdict means? All right. The New King James replaced the word fat for verdant. Now, do you think that is more understandable by saying verdant? And the King James says fat? I mean, there's a whole list of words that they changed for, the, for to get copyrights that are a whole lot harder to understand. But people will say, well, I have to do this because it's easy to read. I understand that there's no and vowels and that type of thing. So to go to the heart of the matter, you need to go to the heart of the matter and test the version by each article of faith and doctrine, and there lies the proof of goodness or corruption. I'm going to give you all, after I talk, a sniff test, okay? You can look at a version, and you try to answer these questions by a version. So that, that'll tell you what's right or wrong, a sniff test. All right, now I'm going to talk about these versions right now. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to cover just a little bit. The NIV. This NIV is so very popular, and there's so many good churches and good Bible teachers, and you know they just seem to be using these everywhere. And it's a shame, uh, but it, you know that they claim, and I'm going to quote this: they claim to be the most exact, illuminating rendering of the original language into English. So faithfully accurate that it ushers in a new era of scriptural clarity for Christians around the world. And the Zondervan Publishing Company said that. I wonder why they said that. <laughs> so they could sell the books. <laughs> to be most exact and faithfully accurate, a Bible version must, among other things, do honor to the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ in each of these eight vital areas. And I'm going to give you the eight vital areas, but we're not going to talk about them all. Um, the work of redemption. The Lord's eternal pre-existence. His deity. His sonship to God. His virgin birth. His bodily resurrection. His bodily ascension. And his bodily return. Those are eight important things about the Lord Jesus Christ that a true version will speak about uh, that so that's that, those are tests. The NIV fails in every eight areas, every one of the eight areas it fails, um, and many other areas besides. The NIV is misleading, it's false, and it's a very corrupt version. Um, 
Tracy, look up in, in your King James Bible, Matthew 18, 11. I'm just going to show you real quick here. For the Son of Man has come to save that which is lost.
insinuated that the KJV was not speaking God's word with clarity. They say once again, God's word can be spoken with clarity. So it's said to be highly readable and beautifully clear, and the publisher spent millions of dollars uh, trying to convince the public that the New King James Version is the Bible of the present and the future, and that is a smokescreen. Uh, the source text um, is said to be the same transcripts as the KJV. This, um, the Texas Receptus, and all that. But careful examination shows that on their New King James uh, translators put in footnotes with their own opinions and with the corrupt West Cotton Hort text. So if you see the words NU on a footnote, then that. That comes from this corrupt, um, corrupt text taken from the corrupt Vaticanus and Sinaitica manuscripts. Uh, the translators included nine of the NIV committee translating this. Their the technique they used was that dynamic equivalence, which I talked about previously, where they put in their own words and thoughts, replacing God's word, and they did it over 2,000 times. Um, the theology in the in New King James is totally different than the King James. Uh, it's inconsistent. Um, they didn't hesitate to mutilate the word of God, including the name of God. There was 100,000 word changes in the New King, New King James Version. The word Lord is thrown out 56 times. The word God is thrown out 35 times. The name Jehovah isn't even in here. They took out Jehovah, the personal name of God. They took it out of the New King James. Heaven is missing 48 times. Hell is uh, thrown out 22 times. The blood is thrown out 18 times. Repent is thrown out 11 times. And the words New Testament, this is, this is the New Testament in my blood. Remember Christ was saying that at the Last Supper? It's not there. At, it's cast out six times. All six times that the New Testament was used, it's cast out totally. And the word damnation, all 11 times that the word damnation was used, it's gone. So they mutilated the word of God, and they're trying to push it off as a better version of this. And people are believing it. On what authority did these revisionists uh, take away the precious words of God's holy book? On what authority? They had no authority. And those four warnings, three or four warnings that we read earlier today, they they're going to stand in judgment for, for what they've done. A prominent feature of, and I'll be done in about five or six minutes, I promise. A prominent feature of the New King James is the addition of, like I say, in their study editions, the addition of footnotes, extensive textual footnotes, uh, which constantly cast doubt on what, what the verse says. Um, you know, it calls into question the authenticity of, of many passages. Here's a quote. It was the editor's conviction that the use of footnotes would encourage further inquiry by readers. They also <coughs> recognized that it was easier for the average reader to delete something he or she felt was not properly or part of the text than to insert a word or phrase which had been left out by the revisers. What, what are they saying here? They're encouraging the readers to cast out any part of the Bible that they don't understand or they felt wasn't properly part of the text. They've, they've um, laid God's word, if you will, on the chopping block, on the chopping block of human intellect. You know, you read it, you don't like it, just cut it off, you know? Thomas Nelson Publishers, the big, big guy, big, big publishers, um, they're the biggest Bible publishers in the world. They've reduced God's word to a commodity. Why do we need 800 versions when we have the true word of God right here? Why? Because they can copyright it. It has to have substantial changes in each version in order to copyright it. And if they copyright it, the publishers can get money. And that's what it is, money, money, money. God's true word is, a, is under attack today. Um, there's end-time deception being peddled today in our own Christian bookstores. Rick was in a bookstore one time. There was a, an older lady in there, and she was looking at all the Bibles. Her, her grandson was going to uh, get ready to graduate, and she wanted to buy him a Bible. 
And Rick's in there looking at commentaries and all that, and he sees that the clerk is talking to him. Oh, you don't want the King James. We've got we've got this new international version, and we've got this. these are these are really the, the books that are popular today. You need to you know pick one of these out for your son. And he was pushing it, pushing all these other versions. Well, then he walked away, and, and Rick, John Rick, <laughs> he walked over and he said, "Ma'am, I, I, I overheard what you were saying and asking the clerk that you're looking for a Bible for your grandson." He says, you don't want to really look at those because they've got holes in them. And she goes, holes? Thinking a mouse had gotten in them or something. He goes, no, I'm, I'm saying they've got holes in them. And he asked her to turn to Acts 8.37 and a couple other passages, and she was just appalled about that, especially that they were pushing those on her. And she walked right over to where the few King James were. And if you go to the bookstores, there's only two or three. She went over and got a nice King James Version and bought it for her grandson. <laughs> so that, that bookstore lost out on some money. But God's word, his true word, must be the one guiding light during these end ages. We are in the end times. We have got to have God's true word. Our time is short. The souls of men, women, children, our children, the souls of our children, the souls of our grandchildren are at stake if they don't hear the true word of God. If they're using one of these other versions, you don't know if they're going to be able to see, you know, what they must do to be saved, you know, to believe. The one verse is cut out that, that talks about it, and there's others that are cut out. Matthew seven fourteen says, because um, straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Do you know that the New King James says it's a, that difficult is the way? The King James says, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it, you can find it by going the narrow way, what the Bible says. But the New King James says, it's difficult is the way. Is salvation difficult? Salvation is not difficult, but according to the New King James, it is difficult. Um, and do you know that in 2 Timothy 2.15, on our King James Bible, it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. You can't find the word study in this Bible. The one thing God wants us to do, and it's not even in here. So, uh, there's nothing difficult about salvation, and he says to study. Uh, the Lord says, My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Right? He says that. And this says the exact opposite, that it's difficult. What a contradiction. So what would you want your family to put their trust in? The true word of God is delivered by uh, the KJV, is based on the received majority text, or something like this, it's based on corrupt manuscripts. Yeah, so... They've been changed, diluted, and all that. We need to stay with the truth, the true word, the true word of God. Um, after this, I've got, I've got, like I say, I've got those handouts, the sin tests. So if you've got somebody in your family that's got a version other than what we use, have them do a sin test, okay? Uh, if you have somebody in particular, now I have, I have handouts for the New King James, but I didn't, I didn't, because there was a lot of them. Oh well, yeah, you've got. This is just a little handout that shows what was omitted out of the New King James, but I've got like pages of, of what uh, the New King James has done and changed and all that. But here is the NIV challenge. You know, a lot of people had this. And um, these, are, these are questions. If you have know somebody that has NIV, ask them to do this worksheet. You know, and, and, and use it yourself, you know, and, and, and it'll really, it'll like freak you out. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good thing, so I want to make sure you all have those. Um, anyway, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, I hope I wasn't boring. I hope I was able to uh, stress and show you uh, that we do have the true word of God, that you can have faith in that, because God preserved his word and nothing has been changed. Can you tell them a little bit about your Bible and then in the back? If they want to go out and find that, they can find in the, in the yeah. bookstores. My Bible. Oh, my goodness. I've gone through, I don't know how many, but this is my teaching Bible. And you can see it's falling apart. I, I got this 
question years ago called the Defined King James Bible, and it's by D.A. Uh, Waite. Um, and all they did, all the footnotes down here basically are just telling you what a word means. It's a Defined King James Bible. So, you know, if you've got... Uh, and then he polled his head, P-O-L-L-D. You know, we think of voting, <laughs> going to the poll booth. Um, or they polled my vote. Well, in the in the in the King James version in Second Samuel, the word poll means shaved or cut your hair. So you could be reading that. Well, what in the world are they talking about? Well, down here I'll tell you, it means to be shaved. So that's what this does. And the Divine King James Bible, the Divine King James Bible. And at the end, which is very good, I pulled a lot of. Um, they got a lot of um, things in the back. It's the defense of the King James Bible in the back. I'm sorry, my Bible's not holding up here. But anyway, it'll go through a bunch of stuff saying why, you know, why. It even has the NASB, the NAV, the NIV. It has some versions in here showing where they've, where they've uh, you know. And right there, what the KJV says and what it says. Like, yeah. So all, it's, it's just a really good time that you're out and about. Look to the back of that and be like, look at here. Or if you remember a reference or can't remember a reference, it's, mm -hmm. it's all. If, yeah, I, you won't find these on the shelf in a store. You just won't. So um, you may have to, you know, probably order one online. Um, years ago, we ordered a bunch for people at our church, and, and they bought them up back then. They're probably ten dollars a piece, something like that. Uh, let me just tell you one of the one other thing. A lot of people getting the uh, New King James Bible will say the reason they got it is all. Oh, how many have heard? All they changed is the these and thous. How many have, have you all heard that? Yes. As you can see, there's a whole lot more change. But the these and the thous and the yees, those are so very important, and that's why the King James keeps it because anything that begins the things that begin with the T. Thou, thy, thine is singular, right? But if it begins with a Y, ye is plural. Now, as for the New King James, which they say they're the accurate one, and that the Old King James, you know, the 1611 uses thee, thou, and ye, they say and this is far more accurate because, uh, and much more clear, because they just say you instead of thee. You, O oh Lord, you is plural. You know, that's not singular. There's only one Lord. So it should say thou, O oh Lord, but they changed that. We have hymn, hymn books that said, come ye fount of every, come ye fount of every blessing. We don't change it, come ye fount, or um, how great you are, instead of how great thou art. You know, we sing how great you art, we can be talking to the whole congregation, right? But it's how great thou art. See, the these and the thous and the yees, they're all very, very important. But the New King James, they, they, uh, they chopped it all up. Stick with, the, stick with the real, true, pure word of God. Thank you very much.